Come on. All right. Check. Well, good morning, everybody. Come on, man. We're glad you made it to church. 1030, you slept in. That means you got a ton of energy. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. All right. I'm going to have to work for it. We're going to have to work for it. I guess the, the morning people came at 915, and you, you guys are, are like my wife um, who loves her sleep. She loves her sleep. But, um, man, I'm excited today to talk about Be All In as we continue this series, and it's just been incredible. We had Pastor Ernie last week. How many were challenged last week if you were here last week? I mean, Pastor Ernie Kruger just fired you up, man. I was fired up all week. I was yelling at everybody in a South African accent all week long. It was awesome. But, uh, man, we, we're excited for the series, excited for what God's doing. And also, want to let you know that every month we uh, do a growth track. So it's for those people who say, hey, I want to grow here at Luminous Church. I want to take a step into calling this my family, grow in serving. You go through two growth track classes, and then you end up um, signing a membership agreement. And that just says, hey, I'm agreeing to call this place home. And what that means is that you're agreeing, church, that, that you're calling me home as well, that we're calling each other to a family. And we just had an incredible growth track class this past month. So let's bring up those names real quickly. So welcome to the family. Come on, man. Let's give all them a big hand. We had EJ and LJ, Ty and Lydia, Art and Patricia, Christine, Ethan, Bob, Robin, Olivia, Damian, Diego, and Jemima all went through growth track. Isn't that incredible? So, man, I'm so grateful. These people said, yes, this is my church, and I want to walk with this church. And I just want to pray a blessing over all those people. We don't bring you up on stage. Uh, we don't embarrass you. We don't throw you up like that. Sometimes we do. So I'm not going to say we never do that, but, uh, but we're not doing it this time. And uh, so instead, I just would love for you to stretch your hand out to these names, uh, to the screen, and let's just pray for all those who've gone through this. Father, we just thank you. God, we thank you for those who are calling Luminous home. God, we thank you for those that have come into this just spiritual family. Jesus, I just pray that right now you would just renew them and shape them and mold them to your likeness, to your image, Jesus. Would they not look more like luminous, but would they look more like Jesus? I pray for their marriages. I pray for their relationships. I pray for their life stage. I pray for the marketplace and the job. I pray, God, that you would just put a blessing upon them. God, I pray this would be a house that they could grow in, that they could find family, they could find relationship and friendship, God, that they would find Find a great sense of purpose. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless him in every way. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, man. Well, Mark chapter 8 is where we're going to be this morning. Mark chapter 8. God, I came down a little hard on 915 service, so I think I let out all my pinned-up frustration on them. Um, but I, I'm excited for God's word this morning, and I want to try something because I realize that we're fighting apathy. I was talking to uh, Ty in the foyer. He works IT, and we're talking about chat GBT. GPT, AI, and now we're just going to be the most apathetic people in the world. Hey, can you have this conversation with my wife? I love you. You know, it's like, it's going to be just so, so bad. So we're not going to allow that in our church. So if you would stand to your feet as we read God's word this morning, come on. You're like, if you're able, if you're able, I understand that. If you're not able, that's okay. I want to read God's word in Mark chapter eight, verse 31 through 38. 
says this, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside. This is Jesus. He took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Jesus, we thank you that it illuminates truth to us. And we're asking Jesus that you would open our ears to hear Open our mind to understand. Open our heart to receive. We're asking this in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Come on, fist, some, fist pump somebody as you sit down this morning. There you go. We have seen an image in the church. If you grew up in the church, you've been around the church for some time, there's been some imagery that has taken place. And it comes from Hillsong that kind of stamped this as imagery where it was the cross equals a heart or the cross equals love. The cross equals love. And we've seen this. We have bumper stickers. We put it on screensavers. We have it all around us. And I want to say that that is so true, and we believe that in our church. The cross equals love. The cross of Jesus and what he's done for us and how he paid the price for us, that he died the death that you and I could never die because he was sinless, but we are guilty. So he died a, he died a sinless, innocent death on the cross in exchange for you and me so that we could receive the keys to the kingdom and be in the holy of holies with our God. I'm so grateful the cross equals love. But when we look at the cross, in particular, this particular passage, as we look at it, the cross equals not just love, but what's in love and wrapped around love, all these nuanced things that we don't readily think of, and that is this, the cross equals rejection. The cross equals rejection. And when Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, I want you to come after me, deny yourself, and take up your cross and follow me, what you're saying is you're signing up for a life of rejection. How many of you know that when we look at the world, that the world doesn't necessarily like 
Christians. It doesn't like Jesus. It doesn't like this message. You see, this message is, is a message for all, but it's not all-inclusive, meaning that it is for everyone to receive, but narrow is the gate that leads to righteousness. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. So following Jesus means that we're going to move in a life of rejection. And there's several different ways that we experience this rejection. The cross, under rejection, there's this suffering aspect, isn't there? The cross, when you think about it, when you think about that lowercase t, there's suffering, there's pain, there, there's, there's breathing, there, there's this agonizing on the cross with your arms spread, just fighting for your last breath. In fact, that's usually what would kill you on the cross is a slow suffocation. As your lungs collapse, and you can no longer arch up on your feet as they're nailed to take another breath. The cross equals suffering. The cross equals shame. Oh, we look at the religious leaders here, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the chief priests, the Sanhedrin. Here all of them are looking, and Jesus says this, that you will go a different way than them. It was Jesus who moved differently than them, and it brought shame to who he was. The cross would equal shame. Now, as Jesus is talking about the cross here, and as he's making reference to this, this is a foreshadowing of what was going to happen on Calvary, a foreshadowing of Jesus carrying the cross. But when you said cross in this time, it wasn't what we all deem as hopeful, but it means that you were a murderer, that you deserved the worst punishment ever, and to carry a cross was to carry shame. Jesus was noting this. He also says that the cross, in this moment of rejection, there's also submission. There's a submission that happens with the cross, meaning that you have to obey a certain way and obey someone or something. There's this obedience that happens with carrying the cross. Carrying the cross. I was thinking about crosses this week. As I was preparing for this sermon, anybody have a necklace with a cross on it? Show hands. Okay, a few of us. Anybody, anybody have a ring with a cross? A few of us. Some earrings maybe, perhaps, some earrings. It's interesting because as we're talking about be all in, it's unique because when we're looking at this particular sermon series in this passage, we're talking about the cost of discipleship. And when we think about the cross, oftentimes what we do in our society, because we're so good at it, is we compartmentalize our faith. We put faith in certain aspects. You mean, meaning this is like there are certain times when our cross is out of our shirt and there's certain settings where our cross goes under our shirt. There's certain times in our life when the cross is out of our pocket for everyone to see, like on a Sunday morning, a Bible study with grandma and grandpa, with certain people. But in other aspects, put the cross in our pocket. 
You see, the, the thing about the cross, it, it leads us into this place of there's going to be suffering that happens. There's going to be pain that happens. There's going to be these moments that happen. But there's also this shame that can take place if we live for Jesus. The world will hate you if you follow Jesus. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. That if you, to wear your cross outside, get ready for some persecution. Get ready because your way may be too narrow-minded. It's not all-inclusive. You don't accept everyone. You don't accept every way. The faith of Christianity is narrow in scope to who God is. And I'm thankful for that. Because the narrowness of Christianity is also where we find incredible amount of safety, incredible amount of love and grace. The, 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 there being only one way, there's comfort in knowing that, that you don't have to guess which way you're going, but it was directly spoken to you. Peter, in this moment, as he is coming to Jesus, in this moment, he, he, he comes up, and a few verses before this, there they are in Philip, oh man, Philip, okay, in that region, okay, get tongue-tied here, um, in that region. I'm trying to think of it. They're, they're in this region, anybody know? Caesarea, Philippi, Caesarea, thank you so much. As they're in that region, and they're in this place, Jesus asked Peter a question. He goes, who do people say that I am? So he tells them. And then Jesus goes, who do you say that I am? And what does Peter say? You are the Christ, the Messiah. You are the one who has come to save us and rescue us. You are the one that has been prophesied for thousands of years. You're the one who was talked about in Isaiah and in Daniel and throughout all the prophets. You are the Messiah, the Christ. And Jesus has this moment where he's talking and foreshadowing his death in this moment. And what does Peter do? He brings Jesus to the side. He doesn't want to embarrass Jesus. He doesn't want him to, to, to embarrass him. But then he begins to do something. He rebukes Jesus. He rebukes Jesus in this moment. And this word for rebuke is strong language. It's as though the same rebuke when you're casting a demon out of somebody. It's the same rebuke that Peter is doing. And Jesus in that moment was not going to allow that. And he said, get behind me, Satan. You see, Jesus in this moment, when he goes to Peter and he says, who do you say that I am, Peter? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Christ. And then Jesus follows up in a few scriptures later, and he doesn't refer to himself as Messiah. And he doesn't refer to himself as Christ, but he refers to himself in the Daniel chapter 7 way, the Son of Man. He refers to himself in this Son of Man aspect, this moment of I am the parousia. I am the second coming. I am the one who will come again for my bride. I am coming back again. And in this moment, 
Peter is asking him to not take up a cross, not die, but stay with them because Peter wanted to be alleviated from his pain and suffering in that very moment. He wanted everything to go away in that moment, in that instance. He wanted Jesus to overthrow Rome. He wanted that kingdom to come right then in full fruition of the kingdom. That's what he wanted from Jesus. He said, you are the Messiah. I believe that. But then Jesus changes the language, and he doesn't say, I am the Messiah. He, he agrees with that, but he says, I'm not only the Messiah, but I'm the parousia. I am the second coming, meaning I'm not just coming for you, Peter. I'm not just coming for your friends. I'm not just coming in one place in time in history for, for a people there, but I'm coming for a future people. I'm coming for Luminous Church. I'm coming for San Antonio. I'm coming for the ends of the earth that every tribe, tongue, and language will come up about in Daniel chapter 7 verse 13 and 14 it talks about I am the son of man who will come for all nations for all generations for all people groups black white Hispanic every country I am coming for people and I'm not just coming once on earth but I'm the Perusia. I will come again and I will judge I will judge those who are with me and those who are against me this is Jesus. This is what he's saying. In this moment of our finite thinking, how many know we are finite in our thinking oftentimes? I'm limited in my understanding and perspective. And Jesus was saying, I'm going to open up your perspective. I'm going to open up your mind. And I'm going to move in a way to not just speak in this moment to you, but to speak to future moments and future generations. This is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, I, the son of man, must suffer, must suffer. Not might, not maybe. He must. He must do this. See, the cross equals rejection in this moment of taking up your cross. You know you're going to be rejected. You know there's going to be moments of suffering and pain. You know there's going to be shame that comes about. You know there's going to be this moment of, of submitting to God's will, God's plans, God's ways, even when it's hard because we're called to be all in. We are called to be all in for Jesus. And it's so easy, so tempting to not go all in. Have you ever gone half in? Half in on something? I, I do this often. I go half in on to 1604. Literally, half in. I, I'm trying to renew my mind. I got my worship out. I'm trying to renew myself. But there's a lot of sins that Ben Chapman has committed on 1604. I've offended people. I've rejected people. I have said some words that I truly regret. I have thought some things that I wish I could take back. There's a lot of sins on 1604. It's hard to go all in. All in for Christ. All in for who he is. Satan was constantly coming in this place. To get you to be a double-minded believer. The cross equals two mindsets. Two mindsets. You can have a mind on God. 
Are you going to have a mind on man? The cross with the mindset of all in for God says, I am going to be bold. I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to be a representative. I'm going to be an ambassador. Um, There's no days off from Christianity. I am all in. But the mind said on man, I'm ashamed. I'm afraid. I'm scared. And it's easy to put that cross in your pocket. Put your faith under your shirt. To not wear it out. To let no one know. Oh, when I'm with my youth ministry, when I'm with my Bible study, I am listening to Chris Tomlin, Cody Carnes, Maverick City. I'm into Fred Hammond. I mean, it's all going down. They all know that I love God. But when I'm on Friday night, you know, I'm playing whatever I want to play, and it doesn't look like God. Two mindsets. The cross makes you decide. Are you with him? Or are you against him? Will you be crucified? Will your flesh desires all your ways hang on the cross? Will you be crucified with him? Will you kill all those things? Or will you be the one crucifying others? By the way that we live cross moves us to a place and it was moving Peter to a place and why was Jesus so passionate about it Woo, Jesus I thought he was just like like a lamb like Mary had a little lamb his name was Jesus why does no like I thought that's you Jesus what do you do when the lamb speaks when it rebukes when he starts casting out thoughts that are not of God, thoughts that are altogether other. Why did Jesus do this? Why would he be so, as a matter of fact, about it? What was it in him? It's because Jesus knew temptation was going to constantly follow you. And if you don't kill it, it can give rise to self and get you off of purpose. In your life, you know you've been obeying God. You've been taking up your cross. You've been moving in that way. You've been denying yourself. You've been pursuing your wife, pursuing your husband, pursuing your children, pursuing your friends, pursuing your career path, pursuing your Bible studies and your discipleship groups. You've been pursuing God and all that. And there's just this one little moment that happens. It's a temptation to bow to anything other than God. And Jesus recognized this voice. Because he remembered this voice in the wilderness. You see, when Satan tempted him, when Jesus was in the wilderness, before he started his ministry, there the devil was constantly tempting Jesus, constantly saying, hey, Jesus, I will give you a life of no pain, no suffering, no shame. All you have to do is bow out here. Bow out here. No one's around Jesus. No one will witness. 
You'll be free from all shame. No one will see it. Just bow right here and I will take all that away from you. Sounds real familiar, doesn't it? Isn't this what the devil loves to do to us? Is he loves to come into our private places, our secret places, our quiet, the quiet gathering, our isolated moments. And he loves to put that thought in your head. And he says, just bow. Compromise. Give your integrity away. Do something immoral. Do whatever's in your heart to do. Go ahead and just do it. Give yourself away to that. And whatever you bow to in private, it won't be long before you bow in public. Your secret life will not be so secret because it will consume you and whatever you worship comes out of you. Comes out. This is why Jesus was so harsh. This is why he rebuked so intently. This is why he he, he couldn't allow Peter to have this moment. This moment of self rising up. Self, instead of submission, we want power. Instead of suffering, we want preservation. We want to preserve. We want to last. We want to outlast. We want to find the next cure so we can live forever, more and more life. We want to take our personality and put it in some AI robot so we can continue to live. Like this is what humanity wants. We never want to suffer. We never want to have pain. We never want to die. But the cross begs us to die. Oh, my. Pastor Ben, I just thought you let it out on first service. Instead of shame, we worry about our perception. How are we perceived? So we conform so that our perception would be accepted in that circle that we so want to be a part of. Jesus saying, take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. You see the cross, it equals our compass. It points to true north. Now, any sailors in here? Okay, yeah, (laughs) we don't live by the beach. It's amazing. If you're out at sea, and you have no landmarks, nothing to see, no, 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 no guy, no island or anything like that. You're out to see what are you constantly looking at? You're looking at your instrumentation. You're looking at the instruments because this is your guidance to which direction you should go. And everything around you is spinning. The sun is spinning. The earth is spinning like Everything is spinning. The stars are shifting. The water is moving. The winds are blowing different directions. Everything's moving around this particular boat. And if you don't have your instruments, you may be just one degree off, but give it a few miles and you will be so far off, you'll never realize where you were supposed to go. This is what the cross does for us. 
is when we're all in and we take the cross and we take it up daily, it points to true north. Jesus, I'm made to live for you. I'm made to give my life for you. I'm made to kill the pleasures of this world. I'm made for you and your kingdom. Don't set down your compass. Why does Jesus say take it up daily? Because drift happens that quickly. Business owners, those who have mission statements, vision statements. Some of you have family mission statements, vision statements. Some of you have personal vision statements, mission statements. You know the thing about it is it sounds like a broken record. Why are we saying this mission again? Why are we saying this vision again? It's just over and over and over again because every great leader knows that mission drift happens so quickly. And it's the same for following Jesus. And Jesus knew in that moment that I have to address this. Otherwise, they're going to drift too far. They're going to drift away. Jesus loves you too much to let you drift that far. He loves you too much. He's called us to take up our cross. He's called us to move in this way. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, as you know him as a theologian in World War II, He says this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ calls you, it's the death of your old self so that a new life can be resurrected, so that a new hope can be birthed, so that purpose can be realized and you end up in the destination of where you belong. I want to belong in that destination. Peter, <laughs> we know the stories of Peter. We're familiar with this passage. But Peter, man, he, he had it all. This disciple that was written about, he had, he had this swagger about him. He had this way of going about, this way of talking and ministering. It was all this about him. But in Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, a few chapters later, we see Peter coming, and his eyes were on Jesus. This is when Jesus was betrayed, and Jesus was was being beaten, and Peter was there to watch him. And you remember the story and how it goes, is as Peter was watching Jesus, as he's looking at him, there was somebody came up to him, and, and they said, hey, weren't you with the Christ. And what did Peter do? Oh, no, not me. Not me. Not me. It wasn't, it wasn't me. The second time, he, he, he's following Jesus, keeping his eyes on Jesus, following his friend around, seeing the suffering, the shame, and yet the submission to the Father, the obedience to the Father of carrying the cross. And he sees the suffering and the shame. He sees the pain, and he sees the humiliation. He sees him beaten and stripped of his clothes. He sees all this, and another person comes up the third time says, Hey, I know you. You are with the Christ. 
You sound like him. You look like him. The, the aroma's around you. And, and what does Peter do? Peter he doesn't just deny Christ. He doesn't just put faith in his pocket. But he becomes altogether something different. He becomes ungodly. And it says that his speech was cursing and full of words in the denial of Jesus. See, when you put your faith in your pocket, you become something that you don't want to become. Amazing news about Peter is if you follow the story in a few more chapters and you read the gospel of Acts Luke, the gospel according to Acts Luke, and you read about this, you read about Peter. Although he denied Jesus, he was the one after Pentecost proclaiming Jesus as Lord. It was Peter in this moment that he lived his life in a way where he never, never again put on his, his own flesh, but he continued to put on the cross and take up the cross. In fact, it says, and it's, it's accounted, that when Peter, it was time for him to carry his cross once and for all and to die a crucifixion death, that Peter refused to be hung right side up. He said, I must be hung upside down. I can't even compare to what Jesus has done. Our life, our life, our life to be all in. Deny yourself. Follow Jesus. Take up the cross. And let him reign over your life. As we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, I want to invite you to stand with me. And as you're standing, I, I want to remind us that there's this unique perspective right here. And I don't, haven't chased this out fully theological. I haven't thought, chased out the, the full hermeneutics of this. But I want to say this, is that, that Peter in this moment when Jesus was talking about the foreshadowing, he was talking about the parousia. He was talking about the second coming, the son of man. It was in this moment that he rebukes Peter. But isn't it interesting? We don't find Peter repenting. It's interesting. I, I don't know if he did or not. But it's interesting. There wasn't this moment of the repentance of just just this moment and it was in the betrayal and the denial of Jesus later that when he heard the rooster crow three times he wept it was as though in that moment he realized his sin and this weeping I think could be attributed to repentance being sorrowful. We're about to receive communion today. And we're coming to the table. The body, the blood. 
And as we come to the table, we're coming to receive the sacraments that represent Jesus' body and his blood that was spilled for us. And oftentimes, when we call our church to come to the table, we're coming in remembrance. But today, you may have some sins that you didn't leave on 1604. You didn't leave at home, but you brought them with you today. You're carrying them. It's a moment for us to confess those sins to Jesus so that when we receive these elements, we receive it in faith in Christ and Christ alone. I have a confession. I would love for us all to pray together as we bring that up. Let's say this confession together. I believe we have it right here. If you would, raise your hands with me as we confess this and pray this prayer publicly, bringing our sins to Jesus, who's gracious to forgive us time and time again. Let's say it. Almighty God, we acknowledge and confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We have not loved you with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. Deepen within us our sorrow for the wrong we have done and the good we have left undone in Christ Jesus. Amen. Father, we love you this morning. King Jesus, you are the son of man, the parousia who will come back for your bride. And Jesus, as we come to the table this morning, we remember your body that was broken for us. Bless this bread this morning. And Jesus, we remember your blood that was shed for us on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, allowing us to take up our cross, allowing us to obey bringing us into the holy of holies, the secret place. Your blood was spilled for us. Bless this cup in Jesus' name. Amen.